we see there that <clears throat> Moses could not go into the tabernacle. But the first chapter of Numbers, Moses is in the tabernacle because the book of Leviticus teaches us what's needed to get in. That's why Leviticus is so important. We'll get to that in a few weeks. So if you've got your notes, we're going to dive right in here in just a minute. If you've got your Bibles, I want you to go to Exodus chapter number 1. You might say that guy talks a little fast. He does talk a little fast. I see that on there. And uh, I like the little drawings. It just brings it to life a little bit more. And you can go online. Those are available. You look up the Bible Project, and that's where you can find those. I, do, I have not watched all of them. Before I play them, I watch them to make sure that they're good. I don't just throw something up on the screen that I don't look at and verify that it would be good for us to see. So I cannot guarantee you anything past Exodus is good. All right? But I can guarantee you the first two are good. So that's why you've seen those. So there comes a week where you don't see when you're like, oh, that guy's theology's off a little bit. Yep, and we won't watch it. Because in the church house, it's the pastor's job to keep the doctrine right. That's his job. And so, and be thankful for that. Exodus chapter number one, we see here, we go down to verse number seven. The Bible tells us here, and the children of Israel were fruitful and increased abundantly and multiplied and waxed exceedingly mighty, and the land was filled with them. Now there arose a new king over Egypt who knew not Joseph. And he remembered, oh, and he and he said unto the, his people, Behold, the people of the children of Israel are more and mightier than we. We closed out the book of Genesis last week with Joseph dying there in Egypt. As we dive into the passage of Scripture here, there were 70, you look at verse number 5 of chapter 1 here in Exodus, there were 70 souls that were in Egypt. And this number, through about 400 years, multiplies and multiplies and multiplies and multiplies. And it got to a point in Egypt where the Pharaoh that was in charge forgot, or did not know, to put it this way, he did not know of Joseph. Joseph did so much for Egypt. Joseph is a very clear Old Testament picture. He portrays Christ. Let me give you a little thought, and I'm not preaching on this, but I could preach on this for a while, and it would be a good sermon. What I want you to remember is this. We say in America where we were founded on biblical principles and on the Lord, but we're forgetting it. And there rose a Pharaoh who knew not Joseph, and it only took about 400 years. could have been a little less than that. But if we don't do a good job of teaching our children and our grandchildren and those around us the things of God, they could lose it. And the people of Egypt, the man who saved them, their total existence depended upon Joseph, the man who saved them. The Pharaoh didn't even know who he was. And that could happen in our country today with God. Our children need to know who God is. But that's not where we're going tonight. We see the king, the Pharaoh, he gets scared because Israel's getting strong. He makes them slaves to try and cripple their future, and he kills every 
baby boy that is born. Why? So that Israel can't keep reproducing themselves. And we see as we dive in here tonight that sometimes events and things that take place, you say, how could God let something like this happen to his people? That's a very good question, isn't it? And I'm glad I'm not God and have to answer that question for you. But God is sovereign, and God knows what he's doing. And all of this had to work out for God's plan to happen. God does not, nothing, nothing takes God by surprise. We might think it does, but nothing takes God by surprise. We see as we get started here tonight, we see the name of the book is Exodus. You see an exit sign right here, and you see the word kind of sounds similar. That's literally Exodus. It's exit out of Egypt is what it's pointing to. It was the translation, you think about this and these things that happened, when did it take place? The book of Exodus was written, and it took place about 400 and 480 years, sometime around there was the full time. Chapter number one covers many centuries. Probably if you add up the generations, close to 400 years. Chapter number two covers 80 years of Moses' life. Moses, when he was born, we know that his mom put him in the river because she was trying to save her son. And, don't, and do you see how God's providential hand was in all of that? God knew what was going on. Pharaoh's daughter gets Moses from the water. And God raises up Moses, and Moses lives in Egypt. And for 40 years, Moses is in Egypt. And then Egypt, the book of Acts, gives us some insight. Acts chapter number 7 gives us some insight to what was going on at that time and what Moses, Moses, I think Moses thought that God was going to use him to deliver the people. But he wasn't ready for it yet. And so in his anger, he slew an Egyptian. And he thought that the children of Israel would think, well, our deliverer's here. But what happened the next day? They're like, whoa, don't get mad. Maybe Moses will kill us. And we're spraying. And Moses goes off into the wilderness. Now, you cannot, you know, you might say, that's not how it went exactly in the movie, The Ten Commandments. I know you like, I love the movie, The Ten Commandments. It's an old one. The night, the night before Easter, I watch it every year. It's on ABC. That's what I do. You say, you could watch it some, that's just my thing. I like to do it. I like The Ten Commandments. But that's not how it all worked out. Moses is in the wilderness for 40 years, and God builds the man to be what he needs to be. And God does a work in his life. And then chapter number 3 through chapter number 40 is about one year's time. So you have about uh, 480 years, 481 years, somewhere around that time that the book of Exodus takes place. And God speaks to Moses and tells Moses, I want you to go get my people. I'm going to use you. Think about a bush on fire that was not burning. Think about that one. And God lets Israel, lets Moses know, I am that I am. And Moses gives God excuse after excuse. And then God says, okay, you can take Aaron with you. He can be your mouthpiece. Very rarely do we see Aaron speak up to the people for, for Moses, do we? No, because Moses was making an excuse. And when God has a, has a plan for you, when God has something planned for you, 
Don't make excuses for what God's trying to do in you. Submit to him and let his will be fulfilled in you. And so we see that the book of Exodus, it covers about 481 years around that time. Where did it take place? The book of, the book of Exodus starts in Egypt. The book of Exodus closes near Mount Sinai. Now, I, you can write this. I gave, if you see there's a lot of room on there, you can write little notes to yourself and things. Just make sure you know what your little notes are saying. Because sometimes I remember in college, I'd write a little note here for something. I, went back. I don't remember why I wrote that. Um, if you look at most Bibles and in the back, they have a map. <coughs> and they have where the traditional Mount Sinai is. That is not accurate. Because the traditional Mount Sinai spot that is listed and most Bible maps, is still in Egypt. And they went out of Egypt. And there was no place, if that's where Mount Sinai was, there's no place where they crossed the Red Sea. So I want to recommend a documentary to you. I have it. You can go on YouTube, and it's all there. The Search for the Real Mount Sinai is the name of it. The Search for the Real Mount Sinai, and... The thing is, Mount Sinai is a little further away. And biblical facts to back it up, and I encourage you to watch that. It's 49 minutes long, The Search for the Real Mount Sinai. And uh, it will be very interesting to you. And there are some things that you'll see. They um, take some pictures in Saudi Arabia that they somehow snuck in there. And you can see some old altars and different things. And you can see, there's pretty neat. I challenge you to watch that in your spare time. And so from Egypt to Mount Sinai, now who wrote the book of Exodus? We know that Moses was the one who wrote it. It's the second book of the law. It's the story of Israel's history and all about God's chosen people. Now what is the book about? When we talk about the book of Exodus and we dive in, there's a lot. It's 40 chapters. And so I gave you a little breakdown here of basically what happens just to give you a little idea as you go through. And so my goal in this is to give you some knowledge about, the, about a book of the Bible. But then I would like you later on to go through and read that book of the Bible and use, like I give you an outline right here. Use that outline to help you study that book and help it make sense. So we see this book is all about God's great rescue plan. We see Israel in chapter number one, we see Israel's oppression. In chapters 2 through 4, we see the birth and the call of Moses. And there are some amazing things here that God does that only God could do. In chapter number 5 through chapter 15 of Exodus, we see the plagues that God brings. He mentioned in that video, we watched the Passover. And we have a Passover lamb. His name is Jesus Christ. And without his blood, you won't get anywhere. Chapter 15, as was mentioned in the video there, Moses writes a song or a psalm, and it's Exodus chapter 15, praising God for his delivery of the children of Israel from Pharaoh and the Egyptians. Think about the fact that they were nowhere to go, and they crossed the Red Sea on dry ground. What a God. There was... Uh, there was a little boy that came home from Sunday school, and his grandpa said, what did you learn in Sunday school today? And he said, oh, I learned about Moses and the crossing of the Red Sea. 
The grandpa's like, oh, you know that's not true. There was, there was no water. There was, it was just a puddle that they crossed over. They make that story sound so, so big and so wonderful. It was just a little puddle. And the boy's like, wow. Then think about how great God really is. He drowned an Egyptian army in a puddle of water. I think some of you didn't get that. You can get that later on. The plagues come, the exodus. And then from chapter number 16 to 18, you have the time it took to get, it's about a three-month journey to Sinai, which is another thing that proves that they did not go into the Sinai Peninsula, which is where the traditional Mount Sinai is today. And it was over in Saudi Arabia because three months' time, yes, it's a big group of people, but in three months' time, they could have gotten further than where they stated. And so three months' time, they journey to Sinai. Then in chapter number 19 through 24, you have God's covenant with Israel. The Ten Commandments are given. God is giving his people the law. Think about it this way. God wants his people to be different than Egypt. That's what we see. That's why God, they had been in Egypt a long time. You think about this, most of those who were there in Egypt, Pharaoh forgot who Joseph was. I wonder how many of those Israelites knew who the God of heaven was. Egypt in the Bible always pictures the world. One of the greatest pictures of the world in the Bible is Egypt. And there's a something as we see here, God wanted his people, the Israelites, to be different than Egypt. Something for us to remember, God wants his people, Christians, today to be different than the world. Don't forget that. Very clear distinctions. God tells them here from chapter 19 to 24 how to live, how they should treat others. And if your enemy's donkey's hurt, help it. God just lays out these things. Some of the things you see there, the golden rule was given way back then. God, God was helping them and designing all these things. And then we see that Moses has 40 days on Mount Sinai getting the plans for the tabernacle. And I did a study a while back. It's probably been a couple years. I keep saying I did a study a while back, and then I look back. Man, that was a couple years ago. And we went through the tabernacle. We went through the pieces of the tabernacle and how all of that represents Jesus Christ and how it represents the presence of God. And I loved how that video talked about that the tabernacle there too, it represented the Garden of Eden because that was the place they had perfect communion and the presence of God. And so 40 days on Mount Sinai, he gets these plans for the tabernacle. And then we see, and think about this, God wanted to come dwell among his people. Over and over again through the Bible, through the beginning of the Bible, in Genesis, Adam and Eve didn't go to God when they sinned. God came to them. I have not seen in the book of Exodus where the people said, God, we want you here. God says, I want to be with you. Think about that with God. We see the tabernacle, and the tabernacle was a portable structure as they journeyed from place to place. Later on, that tabernacle became the temple as Solomon, um, David's son, built the temple. And the tabernacle, and we see these things 
the picture of the tabernacle, it pictures God's presence. In the New Testament today, God's presence doesn't dwell in tabernacles or in temples, but in the believer. And we are the temple of the Holy Ghost. And isn't that, think about that one. The next thing you see in the book of Exodus, you have the golden calf and the aftermath of it. There was a little too much of Egypt in the children of Israel. And what's hard for me to understand, and I know if I would have been there and I would have been one of the Israelites, I cannot be too hard on them because, but you literally, and like in the video it said it, they could see God on the mountain. He was there. And the Israelites make a golden calf out of the earrings and gold they took from Egypt. Isn't it interesting that a lot of people get in trouble when they took things from Egypt and what happened to them? Um, Abraham got a handmaid from Egypt named Hagar. The children of Israel took gold from Egypt. Yeah. And we think about this and we think about that golden calf and they basically, and they said, these be thy gods, O Israel, that brought thee out of Egypt. Can you imagine what a slam that was in God's face? God of heaven performed all those plagues. The Passover takes place. He miraculously brings them out of Egypt. And this is what they do. The story, te- and you got you to understand something. They didn't just one day build a golden calf. There was steps that led to the golden calf coming. Um, What did they do? They grumbled about their leader. They were upset about food. They got mad. Is God bringing us out here just to kill us all? It all started with these things that led to worshiping the golden calf. And then we see the last five chapters from 35 to 40, we see obedience in building the tabernacle. And they turn back, and there's a severe punishment that takes place there that day. But they turn back to God, and they serve Him. I'm going to give you a little outline here tonight, and we got screen things for it, and we'll go through. I want to give you a little bit more as we go through here. If you're going to outline the book of Exodus, I would do it in three points. Number one, we see God's rescue. From chapter 1 through chapter 19, we see God's rescue of His people. Israel needed help. They cried out to God. God sent them Moses, and God gave them the help they needed, and God rescues his people. Number two in the outline here, we see God's rules. From chapter 20 through chapter 31, we see the morals, the moral laws, the instruction for the tabernacle, and and all these different things, God gives a list because God wants his people to be different than those in Egypt. God wants his people today. And you might look and say, well, God has laws and there's rules and God, this morning, God wants us to be holy. Why does God want you to be holy? Because he wants you different than this world. He's purchased you. He bought you. You should be different than this world. We're no better than anybody else, but the one who lives in us is better than anybody else. And we should live like it. We talk about we're saints. We should live like it. We see God's rescue. We see God's rules. Number three, we see the people's response. 
At first it's bad, and then it's good. If you turn it over, we're going to round at 7 o'clock, I know. But I will give this to you in about six minutes' time, the rest of this. And then we'll be on our way tonight. I always, I think knowledge is a good thing, and we need knowledge. But knowledge without an application means nothing. There must be application. What can I take from this book? What can I use in my life? A lot of people and a lot of Christians out there want all the head knowledge. Like some people will get carried away with prophecy. Prophecy is a good thing. And God even says he blesses those who reads it. Isn't that what it says in the book of Revelation? But they get so carried away with it that they just want more and more and more that they don't go out and witness to anyone about what they've learned about in the book of Revelation. There's no, the application is we only got a limited, number, limited amount of time. We need to be witnessing and actively doing the work of God. We see application. Here's the message, and I'll tie it all together real quick. This was, who did all of it? God. Just as I said this morning, it's all about Jesus Christ and what he did for us. Here in the book of Exodus, it was God's rescue plan. Exodus is a story all about God and only God. Over and over again, God says in the book of Exodus, I am the Lord. The Lord, the name Lord is used 386 times, nearly 10 times every chapter in the book of Exodus, because that's what the book is about. Only God could do the things he did. Think about it. Only God could preserve Moses in a basket in the river. Only God could have done that. Only God could have prepared Moses in Egypt. Only God could do it. Only God could call Moses at the burning bush. Only God. No one else could have done it. No one could have saved Moses. No one could have done these things. Only God could have done it. Only God could have delivered the Israelites. The ten plagues of deliverance, the Passover, the picture of the lamb slain, and the blood covering them from death. Only God could do it. Only God could conquer the Egyptians at the Red Sea. Only God, the people didn't have a plan. Moses didn't know what to do. Only God could conquer the Egyptians. Guess what? Only God could provide for his people. He's the one who gave them manna. He's the one who gave them water. He's the one who gave them quail. He, only God could do it. Only God could guide his people. The Ten Commandments for direction. Only God could give those. Man had messed up. Man had broken God's laws. Only God could give them these things. Only God could forgive his people. The golden calf that takes place. Only God could do it. And then only God could dwell among his people in the tabernacle. In Exodus, he hears his people's cry. He sees his people's um, plight. He delivers his people out of trouble. He leads his people to safety. He provides for his people daily. He demands his people's obedience, desires his people's faith, entering into the promised land. He defeats his people's enemies. 
He forgives his people's sins, and he alone will get the glory. What's the purpose of his great rescue plan? To save his people. The, what he does here in his great rescue plan to save Israel here really brings a lot to light of how he did all that he did to rescue us from our sin by sending Jesus Christ to die on the cross for us. One of the things I like to always do, use as an example, the Old Testament is very important. If it wasn't important, God wouldn't have put it in the book for us. I get so tired of hearing Christians today, we live in the New Testament days, we live in the church age. Duh, I get it. I understand it completely. If the Bible wasn't important, then why is it in there? Why is the Old Testament there? The Old Testament is important. Now, nowadays, we don't see these things too often. What I like to use the example is Old Testament, you think of a slide. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Not a slide, you slide down. I'm talking about those of you that would have projectors and the old slides. The little thing that you cannot even tell what it is. You could hold it up in light. You really can't tell what it is. And you'd have one of those machines that's loud with a little and it would click to the next one. And that's how all the missionaries, when they would come, and you'd see all those. Nowadays, it's amazing how all those things have changed. But the Old Testament is like that slide. You don't quite get all of it. The New Testament is the projector. And whoa, that's what it's talking about. They work together. And we see why did God do it? He did it to rescue them. He loved them. And then last three things, you have it here. What does the book of Exodus teach us tonight? Number one, God is our only hope. Even in impossible situations that we might feel we have, he is at work for our good. And only God is our hope. The only hope Israel had was God, and our only hope today is God. I think that's pretty simple, right? Number two, God's people should live differently. We should live differently, we should behave differently, and we should believe differently. What do we see here? What does Exodus teach us? That God is our only hope, and that God's people should live differently, behave differently, and believe differently. And then number three, he works in our lives so that we might bring him glory. Didn't we just talk about that this morning? We did, didn't we? And see, he's doing the same thing in the book of Exodus. The Lord doesn't change Old to New Testament. The Lord, he changes not. He's the same in both. His work is not for our comfort or our ease. What he does is for his glory. Now, as I said, there's a lot more to the book of Exodus. And there's a lot more you could dig into. But pretend we're on a plane and we're 30,000 feet over the book of Exodus. That's what we just did. I want to encourage you, you have these notes, get a three-ring binder. I put holes in here. Put each one. You might say, well, pastor, I missed a week here, I missed a week there. I have extra copies of the papers. The sermons are online. You could go back and listen and get what you miss. There was an introduction to the Bible. There was the book of Genesis last week, and then the book of Exodus this week. So if you miss any, you can get online and you can listen along and you can fill in the blanks. You can go watch those Bible projects on YouTube. They're there and they're free. I love free videos. It's a great thing. 
And uh, YouTube, there's a lot of things that we don't need to waste our time on, on there, but there's a lot of good godly videos we can watch on there that really help us in our studying of the Word of God and things. So let's have a word of prayer, and we'll be dismissed this evening. Father in heaven, thank you for